What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 39 of Locked On Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. We are here on Wednesday, and not a whole lot of news to report. I don't like to speculate on a ton of stuff, but I will in this case and just say with each passing day and with each passing week, I am becoming more and more confident that we will not have a baseball season this year. I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to speculate, but uh, I think the writing is starting to be written on the wall. With that said, let's move on. We have reached the top five now of this list of the top 10 best baseball games of the last decade. This one, number five, comes to us from October 29th, 2017, game five of the World Series between the Houston Astros and the Los Angeles Dodgers. This had been such a remarkably competitive series through four games. Game one, a 3-1 game, really good pitchers duel, Clayton Kershaw, phenomenal in that game. Game two, Astros uh, rally. Marwin Gonzalez hits a homer off of Kenley Jansen to tie it in the ninth inning. They would go back and forth and win it in extra innings and 11. Houston would take game three, rocking Yu Darvish in that ball game. In game four, the Dodgers would rally in the late innings to win that one six to two. And then you get here and you have a matchup that a lot of people, including myself, assumed would be a low-scoring game because you had two really good pitchers on the mound. You had Dallas Keuchel, who had had an all-star season in 2017 and was two years removed from winning the American League Cy Young in 2015. And of course, Clayton Kershaw obviously struggles uh, in October, but had pitched some pretty darn good baseball in the 2017 postseason and pitched phenomenally in game one of this series, going seven innings, only giving up one solo home run to Alex Bregman. So you were thinking this was probably going to be a fairly low-scoring game, and boy, oh boy, were those people proven wrong early on. I mean, in the first inning, you could tell Keuchel just didn't quite have his command. Chris Taylor let off the game with a single. He would strike out Corey Seager, but then walk Justin Turner and Kike Hernandez. Back-to-back walks for a control freak like Dallas Keuchel. That's like one of the number one signs of trouble. Would strike out Cody Bellinger, but then Logan Forsyth would hit a two-RBI single to left. Forsyth would be caught in a rundown in a pickle trying to steal second, but there would be a throw, an errant throw at first base by Yuli Gurriel, which would allow Kike Hernandez to score 3-0 Dodgers after the first frame. I mean, a nightmare scenario for the Astros. Falling behind 3-0 with Clayton, before Clayton Kershaw even threw his first pitch, and Kershaw would look really good. He would go 1-2-3 in the bottom of the first. He'd go 1-2-3 in the bottom of the second. Would give up a single, but then a double play would negate that, so he'd face the minimum through three innings. Pitch count was down. He was rolling. The Dodgers would even add another run in the top of the fourth. Austin Barnes would drive in Logan Forsyth on an RBI single to left field, making it 4 nothing Dodgers. We go to the bottom of the fourth. If the Astros had any tricks up their sleeve, uh, they had to pull them out now because they seemed already in the fourth inning like they were on their last legs. Offense looked anemic through three innings. Then George Springer with the top of the lineup due up. He walks. Alex Bregman would fly out. You'd get a single by Jose Altuve, an RBI double by Carlos Correa, and the Astros found themselves in business for the first time all night, finally putting some pressure on Clayton Kershaw. You have a runner on first, runner on third, one out in the bottom of the fourth, and then Yuli Gurriel would hit 
what is to this day probably the biggest home run of his life. First pitch slider from Clayton Kershaw puts it into the left field seats and seemingly instantaneous. Very quickly, the Astros go from 4-0 down to tie in this thing at 4. Momentum had swung back to Houston's side. This was a game where the momentum swung about a million times and it would in the top of the 5th. Dallas Keuchel was pulled in the 4th inning. Rough night for him. 3 and 2 thirds, 5 hits. Four runs, three earned runs, two walks. Did have four strikeouts on 86 pitches. Colin McHugh would be brought in to pitch the fifth inning. He would walk Corey Seager. He would walk Justin Turner. He'd strike out Kike Hernandez. Then Cody Bellinger, who had been very quiet in this series, hit a huge home run, a three-run home run to right center field, making it 7-4 Dodgers. And now all of a sudden, momentum is back on LA's side. And that one, that one felt like a real backbreaker. At the time, at least, it felt like a backbreaker. Houston did an unbelievable job rallying against Kershaw in the bottom of the fourth. You needed a shutdown inning to preserve the momentum. They didn't get it from McHugh. Bellinger hits the biggest home run of his career up to that point, making it 7-4 Dodgers. But this Astros team, they just wouldn't go away. It was really unbelievable. Kershaw would get two quick outs in the fifth. Then he would walk George Springer and Alex Bregman. He'd walk Springer on an 8-pitch at-bat and Bregman on a 10-pitch at-bat. Kershaw's day was then done. Kenta Maeda would be brought into the game to face Jose Altuve. Altuve, as he'd done that entire postseason and as he had done all all season that year and really for the last you know almost decade now, Jose Altuve, one of the premier hitters in all of baseball, worked the count full 3-2 and with the Astros down 3 hit the biggest home run of his career. Another 3-2 and a high fly ball. Deep left center field. At the wall. Tie game. Unbelievable. Altuve. 7-7. When I say biggest home run of his career, I'm at up to that point because we got another game that we're going to be talking about where he hit one that was every bit as big, but this was huge. Maeda threw a 3-2 fastball, Altuve just crushed it to center field. And once again, the Astros rally from a three-plus run deficit in back-to-back innings, tying this thing at seven. No one, no one expected that after five innings, a game started by two Cy Young winning pitchers was going to have 14 total runs in it. McHugh would bounce back after a rough fifth inning, pitch a scoreless sixth. Kent Maeda would get an out in the bottom of the sixth, making way for Tony Watson, who would get two quick outs for the Dodgers. We went to the top of the seventh. This thing still tied up at seven. And with a runner on first, Cody Bellinger would triple to left field. This one off of Brad Peacock, who was in the game for the Astros now. Bellinger would triple. He had a huge night on this night. You know, a three-run home run to put them in front, and then an RBI triple to put them in front once again in the top of the seventh. But that triple was probably should have been just a single. George Springer dove for it to try to take away a hit. It went by him, got past him, and Springer, who had been unbelievable this entire series, misjudged the ball. Probably should have just let it drop, tried to be a hero, dove for it, got away from him. It allowed Kike Hernandez to score, making it eight, seven Dodgers. And this thing still had a long ways to go. We're going to talk about the, the conclusion to this absolutely insane game when we get back. And we're back. So like I said, Springer made that really unfortunate mistake. It wasn't an error, 
but just a, a, a lapse, I guess, in uh, trying to play hero ball. I, I can't even blame him, but, you know, tried to dive to take away a hit, ended up allowing a run to score for LA. Springer was due up in the bottom of the seventh inning. First guy up, top of the order, Brandon Morrow, who had pitched in every game in this series up to that point and would end up pitching in every game in this series. Probably didn't have it on this night. And on the first pitch to Springer, old Georgie got some revenge. Joe Buck, obviously, on the call there with Fox, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth we went. It was now tied at 8, right back where we started. And then the Astros' offensive onslaught just continued. Alex Bregman would single to center. Jose Altuve would double to left, allowing Alex Bregman to score, putting the Astros in front 9-8. to eight. First time they've been in front all night. Carlos Correa would then come up and... After getting ahead in the count 1-0 would hit one of the strangest home runs you're ever going to see. He lifts it into left, down the line, at the wall, goodbye! Such a strange home run, such a strange moment. This ball was hit a million miles into the air. I believe it, it had the, the highest launch angle of any home run that was hit in all of 2017, postseason or regular season, but it just kept carrying and carrying and carrying, and I believe got into the first or second row in the left field seats at Minute Maid Park. The Astros bounce back with four runs in the bottom of the seventh, putting themselves up 11-8. to Once again, though, the Dodgers would not quit. They would get one back in the top of the eighth. Corey Seager with an RBI double to left, scoring Jock Peterson. Chris Davinsky would get the final out of that inning. So it's 11 to 9 Astros. Brian McCann would hit a home run, a big insurance run you thought to right field to make it 12 to 9 going into the top of the ninth inning. Now, I think some people forget Ken Giles, who was the everyday closer for the Astros all throughout 2017, was absolutely terrible in the the postseason. I mean, blew a few saves, was not reliable at all, gave up a lot of hard contact, several home runs. And A.J. Hinch didn't feel comfortable using him, and I can't blame him. And they used Chris Davinsky as the closer to get the final three outs here. And Davinsky had been so good, had an all-star season for them in 2017, but walks Cody Bellinger to start the inning, strikes out Logan Forsythe, Yasiel Puig clubs a two-run home run to left, so it's now 11-12 to in the top of the ninth, gives up a double to Austin Barnes. Jock Peterson would ground out to short, and then Chris Taylor in a phenomenal at-bat, would hit a sharp ground ball up the middle, scoring Austin Barnes, tying this game at 12, back and forth again. Just an incredible rally by the Dodgers. Both these teams just showed zero quit on this evening. It was really remarkable to watch. And obviously we'll talk a little bit about why this may have been, but at the time, I didn't really chalk it up to poor pitching. It it just seemed like they were putting in incredible at-bats and seeing the ball incredibly well. When all these pitchers, good pitchers, Keuchel, Kershaw, Peacock, Davinsky, McHugh, are all getting rocked, you know something, at a certain point, you just have to tip your cap to the offense. Now, we went to extra innings. Kenley Jansen would come into the game. He would retire the side in the ninth inning, but Kenley had been so good for the Dodgers all season in 2017. 2017 was his best year, uh, an all-star season 
for the Dodgers that year. It was the best closer in all of baseball. They used him a lot in the postseason, and they'd been using him a lot in the postseason over the last several years. And it, he just didn't quite look completely right. Arm seemed seemed just a little bit dead in the World Series this year. And I think that they were pressing their luck by going with him for two innings. I think you could have just used him. He only threw 12 pitches in the ninth. I think that was a big reason why Dave Roberts stuck with him going into the bottom of the 10th. Joe Musgrove would throw a scoreless frame in the top of the 10th, which I think it's overlooked because in a, a game in which everyone was giving up runs for this youngster to come out of the pen and throw a scoreless frame against you know the heart of the Dodgers lineup in the top of the 10th, I think it's overlooked. But in the bottom of the frame, Evan Gaddis would ground out, Marwin Gonzalez would strike out, Brian McCann would be hit by a pitch, George Springer would walk, Derek Fisher would come in to pinch run for Brian McCann, smart decision by A.J. Hinch, Brian McCann, one of the slowest players in all of baseball at that point, and that left it up to the second-year player out of LSU, Alex Bregman, highly touted prospect, very high draft pick, had a very solid 2017 season, but I think this postseason was when Alex Bregman officially became a star, and in year two, he cemented his legacy in terms of Astros history on the first pitch he saw to Kenley Jansen in the bottom of the 10th inning. Two on, two out, 10th inning. That's in the air to left. Here comes Fisher. The Astros come out on top in one of the most insane games you will ever see, 13-12 to the final. And, you know, this Astros team, this is a very close World Series. The Dodgers, with the exception of a really awful September, were one of the best teams ever this season. You know, fell apart in the last month of the season, but they were so good throughout all of 2017. And in this entire series, I, I felt like the Dodgers were the better team. I felt like they were going to win. Coming into Game 5, I felt like they were going to win the World Series. This was the first time where I, I finally realized, you know what, I think this is Houston's. They just seem to have something a bit magical about them. This was an unbelievable offensive effort with their backs against the wall. It was an incredible story at the time. Houston would lose Game 6, win Game 7 on the road, winning their first World Series championship in franchise history. This game would be higher on this list, and i got to address the elephant in the room now. It would be higher on this list. It would probably be number three. I bet there's a lot of people who would probably put it number two. I, I can't go that far, but it would be up there in terms of, of best World Series games of all time and definitely one of the top three games of the last 10 years. The reason it's not higher is the obvious reason. It's it's completely tainted. There's well-documented proof that the Astros were using uh, were stealing signs in this game, and whether it be the whistles or the trash cans, it showed that they they cheated in the in this game and it sucks it really sucks it sucks and i've talked about this before this astros team was so talented and nolan arenado was on the starting nine jared carabas jared carabas's podcast talking about this where he said man that lineup is so good you feel like those guys didn't have to cheat with guys like altuve and correa and springer and bregman and it it tainted this game with that said this is this is not a list of the, the games that hold up the best. It's not a list of uh, you know most uh, games that feature the most upright citizens of baseball. 
It is a list of the best, most entertaining games of the last decade. And because of that, I I have to put this top five. This was so unlike anything we'd seen in a World Series game in years. It was remarkably entertaining. And we didn't have the benefit of hindsight. And at the time, it was as entertained as I had been watching baseball in in a while. It's just an incredible game, an incredible moment down there in Minute Maid Park. Yes, tainted, but still a remarkable game nonetheless and a whole lot of fun to watch. So that's going to do it for today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this follow this show on Twitter at Locked On Tigers. And if you have questions for our mailbag segment, you can send them to Locked On Tigers at gmail.com. I'll be doing mailbags. Eventually, we'll be back here on Friday to talk about the number four best game of the last decade. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day and go Tigers.